Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Well, like I said, today is Mission Sunday. And so what we want to, you know, one of the things when I was first interviewing with the board here, uh, they ex- everyone expressed unanimously that they have a heart in this church for missions. This is definitely, like the church in Antioch, this is definitely a mission-supporting, mission-sending church. That's the heart of, I think, all of you guys here, definitely the heart of the leadership here, and uh, that's a great thing. And so, Rinkim had mentioned that uh, Andrea served on the missions committee here, actually when Meshach was the missions director. And actually, I was I served with Andrea. He he tended to recruit us. Since Mishek liked to do things with surround himself with a group, so he recruited us, and we had would meet and try to strategize the different things we could do to keep missions in front of us as a congregation. And Andrea had had a lot of great ideas. But um, at this point, we I want to announce a new missions coordinator, a couple here in our church who have first-hand experience with mission, and uh, Patrick and Perdrina, if you guys would come forward. When I mentioned it, when I mentioned it to the board, they were all unanimous. They were like, yes, <laughs> yes, they, they know you've got a heart for missions, and so these guys will be serving uh, both us as a congregation to keep the missions before us, but also they'll be serving those who are overseas and in other parts of the world, letting them know that we're thinking about them and finding out what kind of prayer requests they have for special needs and keeping it kind of being the liaison between us. So I'm going to quit talking and I'm going to let Patrick share because you guys have, you guys, you have some awesome stories. I know that you've shared. It should be on. There we go. Awesome stories that you shared with me. So, uh, we know that you got <laughs> you got the heart for this. Uh, well, August the fourth of '99, <clears throat> I moved to Brazil. Well, it wasn't long after that, me and Padrina got married, and uh, I had several stories to, to tell. But this is one that uh, what. BJ's been preaching on in the book of Acts, it sort of fits the occasion. We've been married uh, maybe a month or so. Well, the Brazilians wanted me to go to on the river to, to build a church. That's what I did down there, was build churches. And, uh, well, the so we had to go to the camp where I was working at and get all the tools. We put it all in this little car. Then we went to cross the river on a barge to go uh, <laughs> build this church. Well, uh, where we had to go, uh, they dug out steps into the mountain to, to walk down it. Well, it's pretty pretty steep looking, okay. Well, we, uh, so we started taking, we had generator and all this stuff to take down there. And uh, 
So me and the Brazilian guy carried the generator down there, and uh, they was three boats there. Well, one was a pretty good-sized boat, and the other one was two canoes. And I asked him, the, the guy that was with us, I said, uh, is that big boat ours? He said, oh, no, it's two little ones. Okay. Well, we, uh, I'm looking at all this stuff that we got to put in these little boats. Lord, I don't know about this. So anyway, we were loading up the stuff to put in the, the little canoes with the generator. The guy that was helping me, he loses his balance. Well, he goes ahead and he jumps in the water. Well, I've got one arm on the generator, one leg in the water from the little dock, and I, I get it stabilized. And okay, well, we got that, so we had to finish putting other stuff in the boat. Well, uh, so these two boats, the, the motor looks like a lawnmower engine in the back. Okay, that's what this thing propelled with. Well, we go, uh, so me and Zach, he's the, the guy that wanted me to go with him to help build the trusses. He said, here, you take this rope and give me your rope. So I had a, a real good grip on this boat, rope. Well, down there at six o'clock, it gets dark. I mean, we're, it ain't got daylight savings time like here. So at 6 o'clock, it's dark. Well, we're there. I'm holding this rope. He's holding my rope. And uh, I wasn't going to let go of this rope, but I'm praying, Lord, please don't let us flip. No, uh, it was pretty. I've never done this. so, But it was a, uh, the moon wasn't out, so it was real dark. Uh, there was no clouds, but there was a lot of stars. And I, I'm just looking, you know, at all this. Well, here we are traveling up the Montecopperu River. And I'm praying, Lord, just don't let us flip. Well, we got to where the pastor's house was. And we unloaded everything, and we went to the pastor's house. I didn't know what this place looked like, you know, at all till. Uh, the next morning. Well, we go there and the pastor's house sort of uh, <clears throat> looks like a little shed. You know, what what we would call a shed here, but that this was his house. And uh, he, his wife and two kids. And uh, so we went to sleep that night. We woke up the, the next morning. Well, the uh, before I looked outside, I opened my Bible. Well, it turned to Acts chapter 1. Well, uh, so I read it, and well, I opened the window up, and I guess you could say I was at the uttermost parts of the earth. And I was. This was a real pretty place. Uh, God's let me see a lot of stuff. And, but uh, I think the most important thing that we can do <clears throat> is share Jesus with people. Uh, like Andre is doing over there. And we need to 
definitely keep the ones that are out on the field in mind and in prayer. It's real important. They need this. But, uh, but being Benji was preaching on Acts there, I, I thought this would be a pretty good little story, but uh, I've got to do some pretty adventurous stuff. The boy out of South Knoxville, you know, moved halfway around the world, that, that's pretty good, you know. But uh, we'll, we'll be reading up on the other people and stuff, and uh, but I, I, I've got some other stories that I can share too. And, uh, but it, it's real important that we do lift up all the missionaries. It really is. They, they need this. Okay, sir. Amen. All right. I'll tell you, I'm, I've always been, I've always been so impressed. Hang on a second. We want to pray for you guys. I've always been so impressed by the, uh, the people that God would bring to this church. I mean, from all over, all walks of life, all over the world. And to have somebody here now who is, knows firsthand what it's like to be out there in the <clears throat> uttermost parts of the earth. I can't think of a better person to oversee our missions, missions coordination here. Can you? And anybody who knows, uh, who's ever had a prayer request and asked Padrina to pray, <laughs> you know we've got a prayer warrior here too. So if, if you don't mind, George, would you mind coming up here and uh, Tom and uh, I don't know if David's there or not, but let's just, let's lay hands on them and just bless them in this position. Father God, we thank you for bringing Patrick and Virginia to our fellowship here, to our body. Lord, we thank you for their heart. We thank you for their heart, first and foremost, for you, Lord, and also for those who are spreading the gospel throughout the world. Lord, as we are so delighted to bring them into this place, Lord, we ask that you will bless them in this place. Let them be a blessing to both our congregation and to those who are out there on the front lines in those uttermost parts of the earth, as well as local missions and everything else that's going on, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of being a part, and we thank you for the privilege of having this couple fulfill this role in our, in our body here. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And let's show them our appreciation. Thank you. Guys. All right. Well, I gotta, I gotta preach fast now. Think I can do it? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no. Uh, Book of Acts. It's what we've been, what we've been talking about, and. Uh, Padrina told me, she said, you have got to preach on missions on Mission Sunday. So I'm going to try preaching on missions out of things. But if you're going to preach on missions, I mean, I guess you'd rather be in the book of Acts than anywhere else, right? Amen. So anyway, we're looking at the book of Acts. There's a couple different ways that you can approach the book of Acts as far as how you can organize it for study. And uh, I like them all, to be honest with you. One of my favorite ways, and I'd like to, like to do this, is when you just look at the the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. And, and you see the outpourings. You see in, in Acts chapter 2, that first Pentecost, where they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Then a few chapters later, the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit in the same way. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they, they spoke in tongues, they prophesied, they had miracles. And then, it's so funny when you get to about Acts chapter 10, and the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, get the Holy, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's such a fun story to read because it literally surprised Peter. He's there preaching and had no idea they could be saved. Because they would have this process, they would go and they would preach, they would baptize you in water, they'd lay hands on you and get you filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't wait for Peter that day, he just went ahead and baptized him. And then Peter was playing catch up. He said, well, 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 if they received the Holy Spirit like we did, I guess we should baptize them in water too. And you can see the Holy Spirit, that God makes a priority on having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's one of the things that that is Jesus' specific stated mission. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You can find um, more, um, how can I say it, more importance, or not really more importance, but you almost find more information, more stories in the book of Acts and the Gospels about this event than you even do, you know, maybe of salvation. Because people were baptized and saved, but it was so important, okay? They're believers, all right. But now we've got to get them baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was the most important thing to the disciples, those early disciples, that you be connected with God by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Another way you can look at the uh, book of Acts is the parallel. There's a parallel between Peter and Paul's ministry. And uh, like for, well, for instance, Peter heals a lame man in Acts 3 and Paul heals a lame man in Acts 14. Peter raises a dead woman in Acts 9, and Paul raises the dead in Acts 20. Even though he preached him to death and he fell out the window during the service, <laughs> he still raised him from the dead. Peter's, uh, Peter had extraordinary miracles. If you remember that he would go, go through town and his shadow would fall on people and they would be healed. And uh, Paul had similar experiences of extraordinary miracles where they took aprons that were on his body and they would take them to the sick and they would be healed. Or the demons would leave them. That's the kind of power that was flowing. But there was a parallel, in a way, between Peter's ministry to the Jews and Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul says, uh, they recognize, he, he went to see the elders in Jerusalem, and he said, they recognized the task that I had been entrusted with. It was the task of preaching the good news to the Gentiles. My task was like Peter's task. He had been trusted with the task of preaching to the Jews. God was working in Peter as an apostle to the Jews. God was also working in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So the, the parallel between the two. The reason that's important for those who study it in that way is because Christianity started as a sect of Judaism. Right? But by the end of the book of Acts, it's an international movement. It's a force. But see, the intention from God has always been to reach the nations through the one nation, Israel, to rescue all of the nations. It's always been his, his plan. So when you see this spread, how did Christianity come from here to totally fill the whole Greek world? That's what we see in the book of Acts. Another way you can approach the book of Acts for study, and I like this one a lot because it kind of incorporates all of these, is studying it in the relationship to the Great Commission. 
The reason that this incorporates all of this is because the Holy Spirit being poured out is the very thing that empowered the church to fulfill the Great Commission. Do you remember that he said in the end of Luke, he said, but wait in the city until you are clothed with power. He told them, let's see, where is that? Uh, Kenneth, you're going to have to skip around. I already lost, lost place with my notes, but that's okay. We're just going to go to Luke um, 24, 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, uh, So it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. You see his view, to all the nations. Jesus never intended for it to stay in Jerusalem. He always intended for it to go to the nations. He says, beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, there's an empowerment to be his witness. The gospel is supposed to be preached with power. Now, I started the, the message today, and I called it the mission and the message. And then about midnight last night, pops into my mind, thank you, God, the mission, the message, and the messenger. I don't know if we'll get to the messenger today or not, but the messenger is very, very important. The mission, the message, and the messenger. And that is so much alliteration, I feel like James would be proud. <laughs> you need to call him and tell him to watch this one. The mission, the message, and the messenger. This is probably all the alliteration you'll hear from me, though. <laughs> um, so it incorporates both. It incorporates the Holy Spirit empowering the Great Commission view of Acts deals with the Holy Spirit empowering the church to fulfill the commission. Acts 1 and 8 is the outline of the book in a nutshell, if you approach it like this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and as far as the remotest part of the earth where Patrick has been. <laughs> One of the remotest parts of the earth. And so when you outline the book in that fashion, you see in Acts chapter 5, uh, Peter and, and the church in Jerusalem. Then you see with the persecution they went, or not quite yet, but uh, in Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and began proclaiming Christ there. And then by the end of the book, you see Paul preaching the kingdom of God in Rome. And it says uh, in the last, chap last chapter, last verse, that he was teaching concerning the Lord Jesus with all openness, unhindered. Now, if you wanted to make a statement like to the ends of the earth, I think arriving at the capital city, Rome, would be kind of a good analogy of this thing going global. So speaking about the mission, the mission is a specific task in which a person or a group is charged with. So there are goals involved. Sam shared with us uh, yesterday at the Men's Fellowship uh, his vision for what the, the home, the senior home, he's, or center rather, the senior center he's doing, and he had a mission statement. And it's good to review your mission statement from time to time to make sure you're keeping what, what your stated goals are. Um, I, ha I went on a mission trip to India when I went to propose to Rinkin. <laughs> It was a mission. I had a stated goal. I had a, I had a, I had a ring tucked in my uh, little passport case under my shirt. 
I didn't know if I should declare that in customs in India or not. I didn't know what to do. In India, a man just came and said, you, come here. I'm thinking, okay. He just walked me right around the metal detectors and everything, and here I was. The next thing I'm looking around, I'm in India, officially. <laughs> Made that. But yeah, I was on a mission. Um, we, uh, we had to use a, a social media to... Um, I tried to live real privately. I didn't put everything I did on social media. But we put... Um, since we were using it to validate our relationship, I took a picture of her with the ring and put, posted it up there and said, Mission accomplished. <laughs> I was on a mission. <laughs> she had specific goals in mind and accomplished the mission. You know, it's good to evaluate that because, see, we get so busy with activity. That's why, Patrick, I'm really glad to have you guys uh, in this area talking about missions. Uh, we need to take the things that we gleaned from you there and look at them here, what we're doing as a church. Because it, it is possible, I'm not saying that it is, but it is possible that we could get so involved in activity that is not fulfilling the mandated mission. And, you know, to make a mission work, what do you need? If you're a business, you need measurable objectives, right? Quantifiable, measurable objectives. Are people getting saved? Are people coming into the kingdom? Are people getting healed? Are people becoming baptized with the Holy Spirit? Is the gospel advancing? See, we have a lot of other ideas uh, of things that we could do in church, but what does Jesus say? What, what, see, it's a mistake to think of a church as a business. As a business, you have a, a dream, a calling, a goal, something you enjoy. You make a mission statement. If you're a church, the mission's already given to you. It's not something that we can, well, I, I don't really, I'm not really into you know, reaching the world through for Jesus. So I, let's just, you know, I don't know. Let's just, I don't, I don't want to pick on anything because there's so many things that we do are good. You know, let's just be a worshiping church and let's just sit around in a circle and sing till the glory comes down. Okay, that's great. You need to do that. I'm not picking on that. But if that's all we do, we have to be honest. Are we fulfilling the mission, the mandate? You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of activities that we do that are a part of fulfilling the overall picture, and it's good that we do. We, they were told to wait in Jerusalem. We need time where we come together and we pray, we study the Word, we give ourselves to it. But at some point, that has to translate into accomplishing the mission. So we have a mission. We have a mandate. Is this okay, Patrick? Amen. <laughs> okay. In Acts 1, I read that. He says, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And that was accomplished in the book of Acts. That was the mission. <clears throat> the end of Luke, he said, forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That was their mission, to go to the world. John describes it a little bit different. Look at uh, John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. Jesus kind of, the disciples were there in a room uh, after Jesus had died and risen, and he just shows up. So they were a little startled, I'm sure. And he said to them, peace be to you. Peace. <laughs> Calm down. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, you see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission, the sending. Jesus is sending them in the same way the Father sent him. You know, that's the word um, uh, 
apostolo in the Greek, but through the Latin we get a word that transliterates to missionary. Missionary and apostle are really, for all practical purposes, the same thing as far as being one who was sent. And so Jesus, like I said last week, Jesus is the apostle. He is the sent one. But you know what? You are sent. We are sent. We have a mission. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And uh, if you, if you, it's, you know, go on one of the software things and hit sent, you know, search for sent in the Bible and just look at all the times it's used in the book of John. It's a ton. But I just, I took three of them out just to look at some insight here. John 5.30, he says, I can do nothing, this is Jesus, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, this, this goes back to what's our mission. It's not my will. It's not my preference. It's the will of him who sent me. I'm not here to act on my own initiative. Preaching the gospel is really not something we do on our own initiative. Praying for others is not something we do on our own initiative. It first came from him. It was his initiative. That's what makes it possible. Because the Father sent Jesus, and then Jesus sent us. That's the basis that we do our Christian service, duty, outreach, mission. John 12, verse 49. Again, he says, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as what to say and what to speak. See, our message is not our own. We, we don't have a right to alter the core message. We can alter how we present it, of course. And, you know, we can, we can do it in different ways. But the message, the message is from God, is from the Father. It's not something that can be changed. The one who sent me is the one who gives me the words to speak. We should all be able to say that with Jesus. The one who sent me has told me what to say and do. John 3, 34. Uh, it says, He who God has sent speaks the words of God. He who God has sent. Talking about Jesus. And God gave him the spirit without measure. There again, empowerment to speak the words. That's good, isn't it? Go to Mark 16, verse 15. Actually, it's really short. I'll quote it if you don't want to turn there, but write it down. He says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So we have proclaimed repentance for forgiveness of sin. Now we have this word preach. Preach the gospel to all nations. We're to go out and proclaim all nations. We don't really get to choose. Oh, I, I don't really like that culture. <laughs> I don't like living life. I don't want to be there. If you're a missionary, you go where God sends you. Because the gospel is for all nations. That tells me that the gospel, this is, listen to this, the gospel itself is inherently relevant to all nations. You get what I'm saying? See, we have, we have an idea of like, how can I make the gospel relevant to people today? I'm telling you, the gospel is inherently relevant to people today. It's inherently, because of what it is, it's inherently relevant to all nations, all people groups, all cultures. 
We need to keep the gospel accurate and pure. We can come up with creative ways to say it. You know, when you go and read the book of Acts, I always thought it was kind of neat. You read, and uh, if somebody's talking to a Jewish audience, they would usually start with Moses. Moses and the law. But when they get out there with people who were not Jews, they would start with creation. God made all the nations. <laughs> and he gave you a witness by giving you rain in its season. I think that was Paul's speech to the Areopagus. He started with, went all the way back to where they maybe would have some understanding of who God is. So it's okay to be creative in the delivery, but the message is still, they always get them to repent, come back to God, serve God. He's king. Jesus is king. So this is the mission. Finally, in the mission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples. Okay, we had proclaimed repentance, for, repentance to forgiveness. We had, um, uh, what was the last one? Preach the gospel. And now we have make disciples. This involves teaching. This involves relationship. This involves commitment. Long term. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There we go again. Empowerment. I'm with you in this. I have all authority. I'm sending you and I'm with you. We're not alone in this gospel crusade, are we? We're not. That's the mission. Now the message. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. It is not a weak message. There is power in the gospel. But it's a little different than the way the world thinks of it. The world would say a phrase, and we've all heard it, knowledge is power. That's why we want people to learn how to read, learn how to read books and not just watch TV all the time. Be informed, because the informed mind is a, you know, a mind, it's, it is power. Knowledge is power. But there's more to the power in the gospel than just the content. There is content to the gospel. But the gospel is more than just information. The power is in the fact that the Holy Spirit works when the gospel is to proclaimed to bring it about in your life. That's where the power is in the gospel. The power is the words are words of life. They are spirit. Remember John 6, 63, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. They are life-giving words that go into a heart of a person. Do you remember um, what Peter said? 1 Peter 1, 23. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. That's the gospel. The gospel message goes into a heart and changes a heart when it's proclaimed. It's not just informing you historically about who Jesus was and what he did. It is a life-changing, powerful word. That's why a preacher of the gospel is a minister of life. You're a minister of life everywhere you go. You carry that with you. 2 Corinthians 3.6 
He says, He, that would be God, also made us adequate as, adequ <clears throat> adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You are a minister of the Spirit. Our goal is not to just educate people's heads, but our goal is to actually, in our words, impart life. Mm. Yes, amen. How can that be done? How can Jesus say, rise up, pick up your pallet and walk? There is life in that command. That command had within it the power to cause it to happen. Right? So when he then turns around, he says, go and sin no more. Now, is he just being legalistic? No. There's power in the command to go and sin no more. Do you get it? His words are life. They change you on the inside. They change the essence of who you are. This is the message. He made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills. Legalism kills. Rules kill. Do's and don'ts kill. Because you never measure up. You never get there. So he said, I'm going to make you a minister of the life of the Spirit. That means you carry that inside of you. We're supposed to be ministering it to others. Now go ahead and enjoy it yourself, too. Try just not putting yourself under <laughs> condemnation for a while. And just enjoy God. It's okay. And preach into me there sometimes. <laughs> it's okay. He's, it's life. It's life. There is content to the gospel, though. I got thinking about it. The content, basically, is the account of God reaching out to the broken human race through Jesus. That's the gospel. God, through Jesus, reached out to our broken down human race. Right in the middle of our messed up reality. It includes a lot of different things. It includes God witness of himself through nature or through the law. He did bear witness of himself through the law with Israel, through creation for those who are not under the law, those who are not Jewish. Um, it, it deals with humankind's bent toward evil. You know, the fall usually is in there somewhere. The fall explains why our world is a mess, why things are broken. The gospel includes the fact that we will give account for how we've lived our lives, the judgment to come. It, it, but it shows God reaching out to us through Jesus and it shows Jesus' work on the cross because the cross was the means, the point in history where all this was taken care of for us, right? This was, on the cross, two things happened. Two things happened on the cross. First of all, it was a substitution. Jesus went and took the total impact of all the evil and sin in the world into himself on the cross and bore it away for you and for me. He carried it away. But the second thing that happened at the cross is basically Jesus punched the devil's lights out. <laughs> he came out of that thing as the victor. He got in the ring with the devil. There was a contest and Jesus decisively won. He is the victor. He is Lord. He is King. King Jesus. That's why the gospel could also be summarized up. Jesus is king. 
King Jesus, that's the gospel right there. That's fact. That's what the heralds would do when they would go around through the Roman world. If there was a new king, they would send heralds out to proclaim new king. Well, that's what we're doing. Jesus is king. He sits on the throne. He's gone away to receive a kingdom, right? That's what he said in the parable. He's coming back to take what is his own. Now, when he takes that place and he comes back and puts his feet back on this planet again, where are we going to stand with him? This is our chance to get it right. Right? And he sent us the Spirit as a first fruit of what's coming, meaning we can partake of that heavenly blessing today. And those who are partaking of that today get to go and be with him when he comes. That's the gospel message. Now, believing in the gospel leads to justification by faith. You've heard that's a good theological term. A lot of people think justification by faith is the gospel. But justification by faith is not the gospel. Justification by faith is what happens to you when you believe the gospel. When you hear that Jesus is king and you believe him, he takes Jesus' righteousness and gives it to you. And you are counted righteous because you are someone who believed All the benefits, healing, prosperity, blessings, those are not the gospel. Those are the side benefits. Those are what happen when you come in to the kingdom. Amen? Amen. The gospel causes us to love him, to love one another, to seek fellowship with one another, to live a life of worship, and it causes us to walk humbly before him as people who will give account. The gospel itself is supernatural. Because salvation is a work of the Spirit. Getting saved is not joining a club. It's not, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to hang out with the Christians. I'm going to try to live their lifestyle. It can get real tedious if you try to follow everybody's rules to fit into a group. That's not something that you are are by nature. (laughs) You know what I mean. But when Jesus saves you, you find out you love people that you didn't even know maybe existed before. Because all of a sudden you find something common. Fellowship. Jesus brought us together. He knits us together. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 11. Paul is defending the gospel he's preaching. He says, I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not of human invention. The gospel is not of human invention. Why is that important? See, we have lots of proverbs, parables, fables, things that teach moral lessons, don't we? But they're human inventions. They can't change you from the inside. They just give you good advice to live by. But the gospel that Paul preached was not a human invention. He didn't think it up. For neither, for I neither, verse 12, I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is supernatural. None of the other things that the world has, their wisdom, is enough to change in nature. It can't change you from the inside. But the gospel is the power of God. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, one twenty one. 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. I think I read this one a couple weeks ago. In the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. That means all the world had the best it could do, the best intellects, the best trying to logic and reason and all the things that the world could have. You get your best thinkers in the tradition of Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato. The Greek thinkers were so developed in logic. And they would practice rhetoric and logic. And you would take the best that they have. And they still could not know God through it. So God was pleased then through the foolishness of the message preached. To save those who believe. There is salvation in this word right here. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. God is reaching out to you through Jesus. And there's power in that to change you on the inside. Forever. There's power in that to take you out of the devil's kingdom and translate you into God's kingdom. Take you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. You have a new destination. You have a new place. It's like, uh, you know, back in the days we would see the movies and read the books about people escaping the Iron Curtain, you know? Um, trying to get out of the communist country. and Freedom is just across that border, over that wall with the barbed wire. And they couldn't get out. And then they get out. Once they would get out, that old country had nothing to say to them. They were free. Jesus will take you out of the devil's kingdom, put you into his kingdom, and that kingdom has nothing more to say to you. You're free. That comes about through the gospel. We do our part, and God does his part. Go with me to 1 Corinthians Actually, you're in First Corinthians. Just go over to chapter 2 and start reading with me in verse 1. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom. And I like that. That gives me hope. <laughs> as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was also with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith will not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Nobody wants you to believe something that man invented. Nobody wants you to put your hope and your faith in something that's not real. But when you meet the Spirit of God, and you're connected with God, you're connected with Jesus. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's power. There's power in the message. In fact, a powerless message really isn't even the gospel. A powerless message would be a substitute. It'd be a close, it'd be a close copy. But in the gospel, there is power. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved... Is the power of God. The word of the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. First mm. Corinthians 4.20 For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. We carry this in our bodies. The message, the spirit, and the power. But I think I'm going to have to wait until next week to talk about the messenger. <laughs> So the, the, the mission and the message, the gospel, the gospel is the power of God. Bruce, would you come up? 
and play us something soft and pretty. What I want to do, I just want to open up this in front of the church here for a time of prayer. If you have any need at all, anything, we would just love to surround you with prayer and believe with you. And uh, if you would like to um, make Jesus your Lord, respond to the gospel, if God's doing something in your heart, I would invite you to come up here and be happy to take the time to pray with you and minister to you. just like prayer for anything. Just make your way to the front. We'd be happy to pray with you. thank you that the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and our minds because we've received that word, we've heard that word, it's hit our hearts. Lord, I pray that that word takes root. I pray that that word grows. Lord, that each and every one of us here realize the, the value of what we carry. That we are a carrier of something that is more precious than gold. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that goes in as a seed and transforms the hearts where it is. Father God, give us effective, help us to be effective in communicating the gospel and ministering it to one another and ministering it to a world that needs help. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.